Hey folks, welcome to the Green Root Podcast. I am your host, Josh Schlossberg. This episode, we have Lorna Salzman. Lorna worked for Friends of the Earth for a dozen years and later was a natural resource specialist with the New York City Department of Environmental Protection. She co-founded the New York State Green Party and sought the U.S. Green Party presidential nomination in 2004. She is the author of Politics as if Evolution Mattered, Darwin, Ecology, and Social Justice. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Lorna. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm a big talker, so I hope you don't regret this. <laughs> that's the whole point of a podcast. So you've come to the yes, that's what I figured. <laughs> so let's get into one of the main issues that you are concerned about right now. The thing about you is you have so much expertise in so many areas. It's hard to know where to begin. But this is on your radar most right now. So I want to get into what you. What are your thoughts on the current trajectory of the climate change movement? Okay, the um, the climate change, I would say, issue rather than the movement, because there isn't really any movement. Uh, <clears throat> you raise the issue of a movement, and in fact, what's happened is that the environmentalists, if you want to call that a movement, have been essentially overtaken by what's called the climate justice movement. Uh, what they did was, <clears throat> in other words, the social justice movement uh, all of a sudden realized that the climate change was a serious issue. But since they've never really taken environmental issues seriously in general, and since they're not uh, equipped to deal with the, the scientific and technical issues and so forth, and since they're more committed to social justice issues rather than the environmental ones, which is the basic problem, what they did was change the term climate change to climate justice. So when you read most of the liberal and left-wing blogs, um, you will see those words, climate justice, uh, more often than you will see climate change. Uh, Bill McKibben essentially summed this whole thing up um, by saying uh, that in response to the fact that many people are now saying, you, you must link social justice to climate change. Okay, you must link them, we must link them. Um, I do not believe we should be linked there. I think it's a major mistake, and I'll tell you exactly why it's a mistake. Um, because climate change involves science. In other words, it involves um, evidence and facts that are science-based and that can be proven empirically, and decisions can be made based on scientific evidence. Social justice is, and, that, and that's, by the way, not what I call non-arbitrary. Uh, social justice issues of any kind are arbitrary because all they are are people's opinions. All they are expressions of political ideology based on um, and a competition between ideologies. So they're arbitrary uh, and, and, and they're not based on science. So once you take a, a scientific issue like climate change and you use the arbitrary criteria for it, in other words, social justice criteria, you're eliminating the science, and you're elim you're eliminating not only your your strongest basis for what you're doing, but you're turning the whole issue over into a strictly political ideological battle rather than one that's based on on, on objective evidence and science. The two issues must be separated. Uh, I say that I don't think it's going to happen. Unfortunately, I think the climate change movement. I would say the entire environmental movement has been literally co-opted by the social justice people. So basically, the, the climate change movement 
has been transformed into a, a justice movement, which is controlled by ideology rather than science. I mean, that's it in a nutshell, and uh, and which is very bad for the environmental movement, but also it's bad for the, for the social justice movement, because if you're going to use social justice criteria for working on a problem, resolving a problem, lobbying, demonstrating, et cetera, et cetera, if you're going to do that, um, you're put in the position of having to persuade a lot of other people, not just your followers. So while the left may have a particular position uh, on a particular ideology on the social justice issues connected to climate change, they're the only ones that have it. In order to get their idea adopted, whether it's into legislation or policy or just a sort of general, you know, public acceptance, they have to persuade a lot of other people who aren't on the left, who have a completely different ideology. You have to persuade people who are capitalists, <laughs> for one thing, or libertarians. You have to persuade pe religious people. You have to persuade low-income people. You have to persuade people of different races and ethnic groups. So it becomes a, a, a political battle for power, for who, whose ide ideology will be adopted. And it's and 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 therefore the solution is 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 postponed essentially forever. You're in a social justice battle. The ch the chances of, of for example, the, you know the left, the traditional left or Marxist left or whatever, the chances of their imposing their particular ideology, uh, and any an economic system on the rest of the country are nil. Mm -hmm. The same is true of all the others. We're, we're in a, we're in battles now. We're in incredible conflicts, uh, you know, of various kinds. So the notion that turning over the climate change movement into a purely social justice movement is one of incredible conflict, incredible conflict, endless, endless, pointless dialogue, and absolutely devoid of any possibility of resolution. Okay, so that's that's the situation we are in today. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, and I've you know said this to numerous people and written about it that we must separate the social justice issues from the climate change from the science issues, and this is and, and if they don't do this, uh, we're we're lost. The climate change thing will be absolutely um, will be at the mercy just of whoever's in government, which isn't going to be the left, by the way, uh, and it, it it's going to be an end, endless struggle, and we'll never get any resolution. So. You to tell people this that you to, that you have to abandon your 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 ideology in favor of science based movements that are you know with evidence to tell them that is almost impossible and the reason is the following and this is connected to my analysis of of BLM the Black Lives Matter okay these really go together this is really important. Um, um, particularly with reference to the, what's her name, Robin D'Angelo's book, White Fragility, where essentially she disposes of, dismisses entirely uh, reason, evidence, logic, science, and in favor of irrationality, intuition, feelings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, uh, and, and then, of course, the next step above that is, is, to, is to attack all of not just white white males or white Americans, but to attack all of Western civilization and the Enlightenment and the Enlightenment values that, that enabled this country to you know become a democracy of you know of whatever kind. So so what it is in essence is an anti-intellectual battle. Okay, I think it's at the root of both the social justice people rejecting this, a science-based movement in favor of 
of ideology, of, you know, of, of social justice ideology. And in the case of Black Lives Matter, it's a case of, West, of rejecting all of white Western civilization, everything, down the tubes. So before, and, before uh, getting and, into more of a de- deconstruction of that, and I definitely want you to continue on that, I just want to kind of touch base in terms of your general premise here. So it's that the environmental movement working on environmental issues, particularly let's say climate change, that's difficult enough, right? We have to convince people, we have to convince governments, we have to convince corporations that we're in an existential crisis, that ecology matters, that humanity is intertwined with that. That is a tough battle that we've been losing. So let's let's just say even if there were legitimate aspects. There are legitimate aspects to social justice. I personally believe that there are there are plenty, and then there are some that are not as legitimate. But let's just assume that there are plenty of legitimate issues. Adding that other layer is a very difficult thing to convince people on top of the environmental stuff. So is that what you're exactly. saying? Exactly, exactly, exactly. You mm-hmm. said it, you know, more simply than I did, but that's exactly the thing. Well, no, because you're going it, more it, in depth with some of the issues with that, and we should continue with that because I think that is an important discussion to have. But I just wanted to frame that in advance, saying even those of us who have worked on social justice issues and do have concerns about those issues, we find that complicating an already complicated losing battle might not be the best strategy. But I do want to play, I don't know if it's devil's advocate, because I actually believe this one component. And then we, we can, you can continue on the other pieces or anything you like. But the idea... You just made the argument for separating the movements. Well, sure. So, but, but, but a point that might be an example of where bringing some of those things together could be beneficial. For instance, I've worked on issues around biomass energy and incineration. So primarily burning wood, but also trash and other materials for energy. And it's one of the most polluting forms of energy. There are all sorts of issues with particulate matter, dioxin, just down the line, that's what it creates. It's not a great quote, a clean energy source because it's not clean energy. Now, one of the ways that we use to call attention to that is the fact that a lot of trash incinerators are in communities of color and in communities of very low income. So all of a sudden we can utilize the fact that, guess what? People do care more about people than they do about the natural world. We can then say, look, you care about people, right? Uh Uh-huh. Well, you should also care about this environmental issue because the two are intertwined. So what would you say about utilizing social justice in that way? Absolutely. There's no problem there because because people work at different levels. You work either community level, regional, state, federal, internationally. You work at different levels and you have different constituencies. This is where the um, the nuclear uh, anti-nuclear movement did because it took the, a, a technical, a highly technical, scientific and technological issue. And what it did was was address all of the aspects and implications of nuclear power, you know, for health, safety, um, a democracy, of you know, all of the terrorism, uh, accidents, because for each, there are different constituencies. Each for each of one, there is a, a you know a better argument. In other words, depending on the level that you're active at. You can, of course, you can utilize these other issues. Okay, that's that's your way you 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 recruit or educate the public. You use all the, you use the, the most appropriate arguments, obviously. So, so that's so that's not what I'm talking about. That there should be no 
social justice component. You're you're really not arguing that. You're saying that I'm, I'm saying in in the in the objective and the okay. goals of those who want to cha- change climate change policy mm-hmm. in terms of legislation, in terms of lobbying, in terms of 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 academic education and so forth at those levels in, in the media and in, and halls of government in the in the larger public public levels you're it's a different constituency than just your local community you, so in your local community there may be a particular issue that's relevant and as you say with minority communities or black communities that may be near a polluting facility of course you use that argument for that constituency Right, but we're having a, a a large public dialogue, okay, in 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 various media, okay, and also in government, and and also to a certain extent in academia, but mostly media and government. Those public discussions, that's where the issue of ideology and ha- has to be sidelined. At a different level, the different levels that you're working at determine your argument. Now the argument now that that is in that is in the blogs, in the media, in the internet, and in the public awareness, the argument is that the social justice uh, component has taken over and has sidelined the other. Mm-hmm. Okay, they sideline what, and and so there is that they've pushed it aside. Actually, they've actually pushed it aside, and and there are many issues that that must be. For example, one of the big arguments that's being used. Uh, to promote uh, nuclear power is that it doesn't produce CO2 or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. and, and it can replace coal and, and, and oil faster, and, and we need it. And even a, a close friend of mine who's worked on anti-nuclear issues, an economist and energy analyst, uh, was writing a, a promotional piece and then was trying to get me to acknowledge that, yes, nuclear power uh, you know, is, will be more effective uh, in in replacing CO2 and so forth, and I, I, I think it's completely wrong in that for that argument. But the point is that we have, it's an argument we have to address. Right. We have to the, uh, the you know the, the the nuclear the nuclear argument. So, um, but but again, you, you, the appeal the, what we have to deal with now is a vastly misinformed public uh, in terms of science, but also an, a, a public that is now fragmented into incredible social justice struggles racial what whatever you know racial political ethnic economic and so forth and so on and um and at the level of of the, at that level of the public level and then the upper level of uh, if that where you have a movement where you actually have a movement or a campaign there it's very important to, to keep these separate at the public level because because who who you can't speak first of all you're not, you can't speak for everyone you i mean the left cannot speak for everyone on the left there's no you know there's no uh, there's been no democratic process to ascertain whether a particular ideology is legitimate okay all it is is a matter of opinions it's like it's like the opinions about whether there's only two sexes as opposed to all kinds of other sexes I mean that, that that's a matter of opinion. It's not a matter of science, and that's what. And and when you enter the social justice struggle, all you're doing is having a conflict of different ideologies. And how can they be resolved? Okay. Well, presumably in a democracy, you have processes for resolving it. Um, and you know, presumably, 
But that's not what's happening. What we're, what's happening now is that we have – I'm sorry to sort of change the, the topic, but this really goes into this the, what I call the anti-intellectualism now. Because, because what we have now is not just a statement that, yes, minorities and the blacks uh, suffer more from climate change, but it goes into the, the, the issue of, well, well, we just have this, you know, white male corporate, you know, whatever it is, and they're responsible for, for all our poverty and everything like that. And it changes the subject. It just changes the subject. Sure. The whole the science is no longer the subject. Right. No, I think that's a valid point. So there's the issue of critical gender theory, critical race theory. I think there can be discussions about that. I personally think some of that seems legitimate. Some of it does not seem legitimate. And then the issue is whether can we intertwine aspects of this with environmental stuff? I do think, of course, that humans are living on the planet until we deal with certain social issues. Maybe we're not going to be able to deal with environmental issues, but what you're saying no. is that it's- No, that's the opposite. You've got it backwards. Well, it's that's both, the, though, that, it, that's a very that's a re, That's a very disputable point. It's interesting that you said that well, well, no, because years ago. Let me let me just let me just finish my point. Okay, so I'm sorry. That, yeah, that we have to do both, right? So obviously, no. the bottom mm -hmm. line is environmental, and so environmental stuff. If all the social stuff means nothing if we don't protect the environment. That's the bottom line. But at the same time, yes, that's the bottom line. Yes. But if there is social unrest and there is all of this uh, focus on these other issues that we don't resolve, we're not going to be able to get people to care about environmental issues. So that was my point. well. Yes, because yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's that's exactly the dilemma we have nowadays. That's exactly the situation. So how do we address is that, is that they have relegated science? Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they put human needs above everything else. And then above human needs, they put ideology. Right. Okay, that's exactly that. what they've done. That's exactly the problem we have nowadays. Sure. So how do and, we address and, that, right? Because we can't really just sweep it under the rug because those are the main issues of the day. So the question is, how would we be able to enfold that into what we're doing while not pretending that it's not happening, right? Because I, I don't think, I don't, issues, yeah. Go ahead. Um, of course, there's legitimate social issues. No one's saying there aren't. Yeah. I, know um, I mean, in fact, what's very striking is is that the the whole racial issue has completely edged out the economic issue, yes. and 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 the, and it's really interesting because that means the left has been sidelined because the left analysis is purely economic one, a class one, right. but the, but the racial thing has now displaced that the class issue, which of course has much more validity now than the racial one. I mean, I'm not a Marxist. I've, I've been railing against the left for, you know, for decades. But in fact, it is, it is a legitimate concern now. We're talking about an unequal distribution of wealth right. and therefore power. So the class issue is, is the most relevant issue. So when you say to yourself, well, why the hell isn't BLM, the black lives, why aren't all these people looking at the economics of it, looking at, at, at economic inequality, because that's at the root of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And why are they not doing it? Okay, well, you go back to what I said before about anti-intellectualism. Okay, I think anti-intellectualism has a very long history in this country. It goes back to the 19th century when religion, when people were much more religious than they are today. But it's a very, very long one. And compared to you know, Europeans or people in, in other countries, this country is, is uh, the numbers of people who are, uh, you know, knee-jerk anti-intellectuals are vast. I mean, that's what we're dealing with in the election, too. I mean, it's like you all of a sudden you begin to see the irrationality, the lack of logic and reason. 
And then you say to yourself, well, we know that all those evangelicals and the right-wing Republicans and all those things, they're, you know, they're uneducated, they're uninformed. Yes, they are. But then you say, wait a second, what the left and the Black Lives Matter are doing is exactly the same. They're, they're, they're the anti-intellectuals, too. They're, they resemble the, the right wing and the, uh, in, in rejecting you know, the, the Western civilization and the Enlightenment. So, so they're exactly the same. There's I mean, this is, this is it's very striking. Right. It's the ideology that is ruling. And there are probably in every ideology, there is a bit of truth, right? But then when you have this blindness to any other point of view, what ends up happening is you, yeah, it's an anti-intellectualism. There's probably some ideological aspects of the environmental movement too. Well, truth is not the, no, it's not, the truth is not, the ideology doesn't contain truth. It contains opinions, some of which are more humane and more justified than others. They're still opinions. You know, it's it's religion. It, it's a, whether whether it's a, a, you know, secular religion or a religious religion. It, it is a religion. I think someone just wrote about this, saying it's a, well, like a religion, and it does a, it, a religious cult. The it whole falls into whole, that psychology of basically you believe in right and wrong. There's almost this preordained truth. It is yeah, basically yeah, a form of religiosity. Yeah, yeah. true. So, so we're we're talking a very ba- basic human instinct. And this is where this is why I'm very interested in evolution. I think it's you know most fascinating topic, and I think it has it has a lot to do with um, with the, the irrationality and logic. I mean, I wrote a, a book about this, but when you start to see, you see the irrationality, people are superstition and they believe in this and they don't like vaccines and they distrust all this kind of thing. Yeah. What you're talking about is the default position of the human species. Because in the you know caveman times we didn't have schools, we barely had language, we didn't have communication, we didn't have science. We did it, all we had was the day to day empirical you know evidence, or we, you know we could discover with our senses and and experience of of things that got uh, bad things that got repeated and 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 result had bad results. Then you stopped doing them, okay? And good things that kept, brought good good results, you kept doing those. So th- so in other words, the the irrational irrationality of humans arises from the fact that before we had education and and of, of any kind. Uh, pe- humans were always looking for explanations of wh- where they came from, where life came from, how the earth, where all animals, and so forth. That's just natural to want explanations. This is where this is why religion became accepted because religion brought in an explanation, namely God. Okay, and <laughs> and 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 you know, all the all the little things that went, went with it. Okay, we, we haven't changed the. Our, our our irrationality and emotions are in the most primitive part of our brain, the hippocampus and the amygdala, whatever you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And you want to know something? These parts of our brain, I guess people call it the reptile brain, but because they govern the emotions, right. they've never changed. Okay, the rest of our brain got bigger and more developed, the cerebral cortex and everything. So we learned, we, we were able to learn and pass on and transmit and develop language and you know all kinds of other, other things. But those basic, the basic irrational default position of humans is still here. It never went away. Education and the Enlightenment didn't abolish it. 
So what happens is that when you have an external stimulus, whether it's a, a you know a, a like a, whether it's an epidemic, or whether it's a religious conflict, or you know anything else, um, your responses to it don't come from reason. They don't because you don't have an advanced brain when you're when you're a you know a Neanderthal. They come from emotion, a response of you know of self-defense, you know to counteract aggression, fear of the unknown, and so forth. So this is what's going on now. It's like millions of all of a sudden the reptile brains are taking over. <laughs> they were always there. So how do you deal with this? Well, first of all, you don't deal with it if you're on the left, because the left doesn't believe in um, you know, Darwinism. I mean, they, they don't deny that evolution actually happened. But their theory, this is the Marxist theory, and it's still operative in, in the cultural studies and in anthropology, is that um, the blank slate, Steve, Steve Pinker wrote a book called The Blank Slate, the notion that it is society that determines human behavior and, and, uh, and relationships. Only society, and nothing is inherited, or whatever we inherit is is trivial compared to the external, the uh, social environment, and and um, you know everything is socially constructed. So if people are bad, you change the society. You don't think for a minute that maybe the, there is an innate instinct for aggression or competition or status or finding a mate. All the things that evolution has created in us are our most basic drives. Um, the, the cultural studies and the cultural anthropologists and the left completely dismiss. I don't know if you follow any of the discussions that are going on about the new atheism, okay, about Dawkins and Sam Harris and uh, and the new atheism and, and and religion and so forth. This is really quite relevant because because basically you know the atheists completely understand that there are natural explanations for things. And 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 the issue is how do you get people, uh, you know, how do you pry them away from the instincts and from the things they've learned from their parents, from their peers, from their priests, um, you know, from their political club or whatever? How do you pry people away when you know that most of the responses of people to various issues are emotional, not intellectual? Right. And this is the problem with with trying to educate people about climate change. About using you know scientific arguments, it's very very difficult because people are not um, they're just not geared up for um, you know for for logic. They're they're basically responding with their emotions, and I don't and the conflict is now exacerbated, and it's exacerbated you know mainly because you have this uh, you know rejection of the Enlightenment values that actually allowed us. To, to reach such an advanced stage in in in, in culture and in science and so forth. Right. I mean, all the that's those are the things that that enabled us to 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 say to look back and look at the irrationality and say, well, okay, we understand why you feel this way. It's a natural thing to be suspicious of people of other races, people that speak different languages. It's, that's a natural thing. But you, we're living in a, in a kind of world where you have to develop um, m modes of behavior and relationships that are conducive to, you know, to cooperation and peace. And you can't, you can't abandon yourself to those primitive rivalries. Right. I mean, the whole reason for for racism. I mean, it's it's funny that people never discuss this at all. 
But the obvious re- the, the reason for racism, particularly with black and white, is because in this case, the skin color is much more obvious than other, you know, other than other things. But language, of course, is is also very distinct. So if you imagine yourself living in a tribal situation, and all of a sudden someone, you know, from the other side of the mountains, who has a, you know, talks different, has a different language, uh, looks differently, has different physical traits, either skin or whatever, you know, you can whatever you want. Obviously, why is this person here? Why is this person coming to steal our land, our resources, our food? Are women? All right, you know this is, um, and 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 obviously the marks and and uh, of 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 difference are very very clear. So if you see, it's perfectly natural if you're white or 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 if you're you know white or if you're black or white and everything to see people of a, that look so different and or talk so different to see them as potentially dangerous, okay, as rivals, as competitors. And this is completely normal. And that's why, by the way, um, this may be obvious to, to you and other people, but that's why we shake hands. Do you understand? You know why we shake hands? I thought it was I'm, to I'll show give you, people. I'll give you a guess. I'll to give show you one people. Guess. My understanding is that we shake hands to show people we don't have a weapon in them. Exactly. Exactly. And in many, even even nowadays, if you um, um, read uh books by anthropologists who have worked with uh, with tribal societies and so forth. There is a very strict protocol for approaching these settlements and people is that you don't just walk into the middle of them and you you, you have someone who who is a, a go between and you and you don't enter the village and the go between goes in and finds the the you know the elder or the or whoever is in charge and then talks about the visitors and so forth and you have to go in and then you have to go and get the approval of that person to talk to others and so forth and to say it's a very 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 fixed thing because because people just how do you how do you trust people if you don't know them right. you so don't me, trust them let me comment on what you're saying there so in terms of of course, you are not in any way justifying that, hey, racism is natural, therefore we should do it. I know that's not what you're saying. I don't even need to ask you that. But the thing no, is- No, not that, racism. No, no, no. Right. That's, not, that's the wrong word. Well, but it's looking a suspicion, at a suspicion of strangers. Sure. And, 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 and the, the strangers is. are distinguished by the fact that they look or talk differently. Right. And that is likely the root of racism is the fact that that is ingrained in our primitive brains. We see Absolutely. That. Now, there's no question of it. So, so let let me take this just to a slightly different topic, just because I know when people hear about racism, they they can't really process things logically because people get very upset. But I had a conversation on a similar topic with a similar kind of thing, talking about the concept of inequality, or let's just say dominating aspects of society. So, some individuals dominating in society over others. And I said, well. That's clearly can be an issue. We need to deal with this inequality. We need to deal with people who are dominating, but we need to figure out what the root of it is to address it. And the root does seem to be in nature that across the spectrum in nature, in almost every species, we do have certain dominant 
species, uh, dominant individuals that get most of the mates, they get the best territory, they get the best resources. Status. It's called status. Of right. course. So that yeah. clearly exists in nature. And therefore, we have those elements of society. Yet, of course, in some ways, society can exacerbate that, right? They didn't have in the ape kingdoms, they didn't have nuclear war. They did have little other kinds of wars. But so my point to this individual was, listen, this is in nature. This is not a blank slate thing. As in, he was saying, no, no, society creates all this inequality and he's an environmentalist. So I'm noticing this even the environmental thing, but he, yeah. the thing with him is this, and this is the thing that I think we need to be addressing. They're concerned about those issues of inequality. I'm concerned about those issues of inequality. I point out there are some natural roots to it. They think what I'm saying is I am condoning it and there's nothing we can do to change it. In fact, what I am saying is, no, your pretend version of caring about it, your version of saying society creates all this is false and it's making it harder for us to actually address this. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're talking about we're talking about the achievement of status. Mm -hmm. and, and to get to that, as Jordan Peterson uses the word um, of um, of competence. He says it's not an issue of of anyone being greater or you know, it's an issue of competence. And in any given time, in any given field, there are going to be people that are more competent than others in that particular field. And uh, and that is and, and the and the and the drive for 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 accomplishment and competent and for status is it's a it's a human drive. Now you could the it, it's easily resolved. There's not a problem. You of course some people are more competent and maybe they'll be more famous and they'll be richer, but it wouldn't be a problem if in fact the less competent least had didn't suffer in, right. <laughs> and weren't persecuted or were you know were were repressed and and kept poor and 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 ignorant if those people were allowed to at least reach their level of competence uh, without uh, you know being in other words equality before the law equal opportunity and so forth yes. they will maybe never reach the level of that that person on top, but at least they'll each reach the best level that they are capable of, and they won't be penalized for being less competent. I mean, it's very easy. So that's where the social, the social engineering comes in, the social justice issue. There's no such thing as complete equality. When you start thinking about that, it's obviously absolutely meaningless. Um, but the point is here is that uh, is that there is going to be a, dr a drive for greater status, right? And it and happens to be and it happens to be stronger with men because it always was that way well, because we men were the ones that were they you know were physically ha had to uh, protect wives and children. Right, it's and very we needed simple. to do that to survive, and we needed to do that to get to the top. Of, of course, to to all right, but we still need to. We still need to. Those that, that is, that, that's what this whole thing is about. Why do you think all these, you know, young women get seduced by these ugly old rich men, <laughs> you know, or really all because those, they represent status. They're, they're very high status. They are. They're Not, they, they may be <laughs> ugly and fat, like like what's his name, but Weinstein. But but the point is, they represent a high status. Right. But what we're dealing with in society society today is a lot of inequality where, as you say, some people aren't even given much of a chance. So personally, I can both see, look, these aspects, I don't think a world in which there's going to be a perfect equality could ever even exist. I do see, however, that I think the scales in some way are, are kind of tipped unfairly, and maybe we can be doing some aspects to alleviate the fact that 
there is a Jeff Bezos in the world with, you know, heaps upon heaps of billions. And then there are people in Nigeria who are scooping water out of a puddle to drink. So look, I think, you know, it's dealing well, with course, that, but, right? But, the, but, but look at the, you know, this is something people forget. They look at all the mm-hmm. bad things that we've done in the past, you know, whether it's slavery or right. the Inquisition or the Holocaust and everything like that. But and and I do take issue with some of the things Steve Pinker wrote in his book Enlightenment Now. But nonetheless, overall, um, there has been progress. I mean, you cannot yes. say that the situation of blacks in this country today is like it was in 1945 or 1950. I'm sorry. I remember when I graduated from public school. I was about 12, and my parents took me in, uh, to Penn Station to go on a train to go down. Uh, to I think it was Washington or Williamsburg or something like that. And I entered Penn Station and waited, and I had to go to the bathroom, and I went over, and there were two doors, and one said white, and the other said colored. And I had no idea what it meant. Huh. No yeah. idea. I was totally, totally stunned. Okay? Well, it's very different what we have now. We've and made the, the issue of, of civil, of civil rights. Of- I mean... But because we decided to intervene in society, we made some changes, right? So th- there's a difference between making some changes versus saying we need to get rid of all the things we've done that have actually been helpful. Like, for instance, with the situation in Africa, there are still plenty of people who are malnourished, et cetera, et cetera. But it has been trending better. So I think what you might be suggesting is some people are saying, let's throw the baby out with the bathwater in that. Western civilization, industrial civilization is clearly only negative because they're focusing on the negative aspects while ignoring the fact that, yes, there are still differences between Jeff Bezos and the kid in the puddle, but there are a lot different, a lot different in terms of being in Nigeria compared to 50 years ago. Well, all right. So the question is, why are they only focusing on the bad things? You know the failures, and not looking at the good things and, and progress. Well, well, so, sure. so why, so why is that? Relevant okay, question, well, what's, what do you think? But well, what I'm more interested in is, I don't, I, I do agree with a lot of your analysis here, but I don't know what we can do about how others decide to think. So my well, my, that's right. That's exactly that's exactly <laughs> right. And that's what we're doing now. We're, so so we're, we have, you know, ideological struggles. Yes. How, how do you resolve those? And, the question and you don't is, resolve them. Here's the thing. Okay. You don't resolve them unless you can in some way make the objectives converge. Okay? Sure. In other words, it's not a question of uh, of one triumphing and the other being destroyed and disappearing. Yes. Okay? You have to have some convergent shared values and objectives. Right. And I don't I don't see those. To me the the clearly the most important objective is saving the planet. Yes. Okay? Yes. Yes. I mean, to me I, I sit here and I watch all what's going on over my, you know, 50 years of an, of, a, of an activist life and what's going on the absolute deterioration of the earth systems and I say, you know, why in hell do people not understand that this is the, that this, this is the battle, this is the big battle, and why can't we all come together and say, yes, this is the big battle? Now, the, the corollary of that, and I've written about this too, is that if you in fact could resolve the, the, the ecological crisis, if you could right. do that, actually at the same time you would be solving a lot of the social justice issues. That's probably true. I, I think a lot of them are exacerbated. It's absolutely by, uh, true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Because a lot of the things we have to do to save the planet 
whether it's relocalizing the economy or renewable energy or um, you know, stopping um, food being transported 3,000 miles, encouraging uh, you know, farming, small business, you know, all those kinds of things, new energy sources or whatever, will be, will be facilitating you know, new, new relationships and, and new kinds of you know, endeavors and so forth. So, so all the, those, a lot of those social changes will be, will be encompassed by by the by the changes you do in the name of ecology. Yes. I mean, I, to me, this seems so obvious, although it's hard to prove. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right. So I just want to jump in there and say, so yeah, the Green Room Podcast, we want to try to get to the root of these issues. And I do think a lot of your critique of what's going on regarding social justice aspects, some of which are totally valid, circumventing a lot of the environmental movement. I, I can't deny that that's the case, that, that I've witnessed that myself. But here's the thing. We, we understand how they're thinking. They don't really understand how we're thinking. So it's up, that's to, right. so it's up to yeah. us to find a way to, like you said, find where that, where that convergence is. So the question is, can we accept the fact that, listen, people are going to be really upset about things because they have a particular ideology. It would be nice to convert people and realize um, you're actually viewing the world through a bit of a distorted lens. There's some truth in what you're saying for sure, but you're actually distorting the world through this lens. I don't know if there's much we can do about that, but I think we can maybe offer something that is some sort of common ground where they can get on board with some of what we're doing if we prove to them that we also have some of the concerns that they have. So my concern with with deconstructing their their arguments too much is that they'll just immediately see us as an enemy rather than somebody. For instance, I, I worked on racial justice issues for many, many years. I, I was involved with all that stuff and I found that convergence in the quote environmental justice stuff around the incinerator stuff. So that, that was important to me. But ultimately, I, I do see, for instance, talking about social issues all the time, some of which are not quite, like you say, backed in science, I do think takes us away from our ultimate goal and ultimately harms those causes. But what, what can we actually do to bring those people on board with the way we're kind of doing things? Or is, are you saying that's just an impossibility and we just have to go separate ways? Well, you, you've raised a question, which is an issue that has been raised over the years, and I've seen it many times. And, the, and this is that you have the social justice people saying to the environmentalists, well, you need to consider our issues and incorporate those in your movement. You know, you're, you don't really care about poverty and racism and all this kind of thing. You, you, have, to, you have to show that you're involved in and support us. And I say, wait a second. I think you got a little backwards, Okay. It's that the social justice movement, thanks to the left, the Marxist left, has always showed nothing but disdain for the environmental movement. I mean, I saw when I was starting out in the 70s, I saw unbelievable attacks um, you know, from, uh, on the, that, we're, that we're NIMBYs, we're only concerned with white, you know, white issues, white middle class stuff, and we're not concerned enough with poverty. This is bullshit. The environmental environmentalists are probably more to the left than the left. The environment, I mean, people in the movement have been, you know what they've been fighting about? They've been fighting against the corporations. Mm -hmm. They've been fighting against corrupt government. Yep. 
They've been, I mean, all of these, every battle that's been, whether it's for worker safety, pollution, um, you know, defending uh, natural resources, protecting clean water, all those battles are battles that are basically at their heart are social justice battles. Sure. And, and the left never acknowledged it. Okay. They, not only do they never acknowledge it, they come back and say, you need to pay more attention to our issues. No, it's the other way around. Okay, how do we get the social justice movement to come to our point of view? Okay, and that's and that's the question. And of course, when you're saying the left, obviously there's a lot of folks on the left who are environmentalists. But you're talking about the social well, justice. you know, it's yeah, I guess there are. But you know, even even sometimes you think someone well, like Naomi Klein, for example. Okay, I mean she's pretty hard left, mm-hmm. and uh, and then she and then she said said some really good stuff. She's not really very yeah. smart. Very informed. I mean, absolutely. And then, um, you know, there there are these blank spots. And then you have McKibben, yes. who, who I think is done, has held back the movement more than almost anyone. I mean, he's it's just uh, I don't know whether it's because he's religious or whatever. But when he talks about using climate change as a springboard to to a social justice m- movement, okay, he that's it. He's given up. He's he's wiped out the whole movement. Hmm. When he says that, using it as a springboard, that's totally that he he doesn't. I mean, he's an excellent writer, but he doesn't really understand what what the what 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 a you know what the environmental movement is about. It is a social justice movement. That's what it's. It's not just about tree hugging and saving birds. That's the ultimate bottom line. Is it doesn't matter what your social issue is if you don't have water. It's meaningless, and providing water for people is obviously helping folks who are marginalized, et cetera, et cetera. I've always agreed that I see social justice as a component within the larger environmental movement. So yes, yes, that's, we, that's fine. I'm not dismissing it. Of course I, I know not. That. And I'm just saying the question is, so we, we can have these discussions about the, these topics, which I think are very valuable, and we need to understand them with our analysis. But if we're trying to bring folks over who we know have a particular ideology, I guess, again, the question is, do we have a chance to bring those folks over or is it just going separate ways? And if if it's the former, then I think it is, uh, we need to find language that shows that we do have common cause, but we're maybe looking at stuff that's even with more greater inclusivity than they. They talk about inclusivity, but really they're just talking about human inclusivity. They're not talking about the larger world. But let, I know, want to give an example of something that that where I started noticing this, and I haven't revealed this before on the podcast, but uh, this will just take a few minutes for me to outline. So you also can understand uh, what I've seen. And I think maybe we can delineate the difference between a legitimate and helpful and positive element of social justice in the environmental movement and then a harmful level that is actually subverting it. So I was a part of, it was an eco-feminist environmental group back in 2000 and probably five-ish or so. The focus was on forest issues. So defending forests actually through direct action, stuff like that. And this was out in Oregon. So Oregon is one of those places that is you can say ahead of the curve or however you want to frame it in terms of ideological things. So I was seeing this stuff before people were aware of this. So this was 2005 as an eco-feminist collective led by this woman, even though there was no leaders, but the, the main force in there was a woman. And I had no problem with that. I was seeing that there was some shifting in terms of there was a lot of 
kind of macho male leadership prior, and then things were shifting a little bit. I didn't think that was a bad thing. I'm somebody who has in touch with a lot of his masculinity, but also I, I, I appreciate the feminine side of myself and others and everything like that. So I became a part of this group. I was excited to do forest issues. Okay, this was an interesting little perspective on it. Ecofeminism. I I read up on all the feminist literature. It's like all right, a lot of this makes <laughs> yeah. a lot of it, which yeah. a lot of it makes sense. Some of it I disagree with, but the idea of look now we have a woman who wants to be moving uh, policies forward, moving things forward, and is basically the the loudest voice in this group. If that's feminism, I had zero problem with that. So I was a part of this group and we we were doing we had discussions right, and there was this other fellow who was in the group who was he basically decided that some of us needed to have a, a meeting with just the men in the group to talk about issues that are concerning to him around gender and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I'm sure I could learn something from this. I'd love to work on forest issues because that's what our group is, but he wants to have a meeting. Let's do it. So like, <laughs> it sounds like, sounds like the green party. Okay. Well, lots of meetings, lots of talks. So we had one, yeah. it was an hour, maybe too long. Um, I was like, okay, all right. I, I learned some stuff, some stuff, a lot of it I already knew some stuff. I was like, I don't know about that, but whatever. He has his point of view. I was happy to be a part of that. Then he wanted to have a second one. I was like, all right, one more. <laughs> and then he had a third one. And at that point I, I said to him, listen, I, I do appreciate these. And I have learned some stuff. So thank you for that. But we are a forest defense group and we've literally done no forest defense issues. And <laughs> I would like us to kind of move on to also doing that while we have these conversations. The, the focus of that meeting was to get to, was to confront a man who hugs someone and he didn't think that it was appropriate hug. I, I, I don't even know what, what was going on with that. But so that was, I noticed that. And I was like, okay, I am on board with your stuff, but we need to do some forest defense stuff also. We are literally named that. And he, <laughs> he was very upset by that. And what he started to do is he started to call me a sexist. He started, <laughs> this was before cancel culture. This was luckily oh, yeah. before the, the Green Party. It was exactly the same. I saw the whole thing like this. Well, yeah, exactly this, the this same. This is how I, I experienced it. And so even though I was on board with feminist issues, I was on board with a lot of the things he was talking about. Luckily, this was before social media. So he couldn't smear me with just his made up accusations, but he was calling me a sexist because I literally said, I support this, but we also need to do forest issues. I talked to other people in the group and I was like, do you think I'm a sexist? And every single one of them was like, no. I was like, well, do you want to maybe step in? And every single one of them said, no. Some of them <laughs> left the group. And so I started noticing it back then. And so at that point I was like, okay, probably some good aspects have been injected in the environmental movement, but then there's some other aspects here that are clearly harmful and can easily derail it and aren't even based on the things that they're even saying that nobody, he didn't think I was sexist. I just was not on board with him doing all this stuff and, and over and over again, uh, taking <laughs> us away from our mission. So that was, that's the eyes, the eye-opening aspect that came to me. I, I didn't then therefore say, now I am against feminism. I just said, I am a little bit wary of injecting some of these aspects 
not the injection of them into it, but the overtaking and subverting. Overtake, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's been my experience. So I agree that there is concern, but here's the thing. If, if the question is this, you're in a situation like that. Can you say, listen, I, I support this sort of stuff. Let's, let's, let's do some of this, but let's make sure it doesn't destroy our entire movement. Or is it gonna always be a situation like that? They're just gonna use the IST card to destroy you. And guess what? It wasn't, it wasn't that effective back then. Right now it's pretty damn effective. Oh yeah. Oh, now it's worse. People's career is being smeared. I mean, you know, their jobs, people in academia, I mean, no, it's incredible. This is, uh, I mean, this is Stalinism. This is really what it is. So how we, do we it's, deal you know, with it? So we it's, can it's Stalinism. It. It's all the party line, and and but it fits into my analysis about anti-intellectualism, because right. feminism and all those stuff have to do with me, like one person, my feelings, my feelings, my opinions, not a collective thing. Okay, not a planetary or ecological vision, but me. And it's, of course, it's gotten worse and worse. I saw this in the Green, exactly what you're talking about in the Green Party. It's happening I mean, I was, everywhere. I, I was expelled from the Women's Caucus in the Green Party because I dared to criticize a black congresswoman. Cynthia McKinney. Not for being black, but for having an opinion that you disagree with. Oh, yeah. She was anti-Semitic. She ran an anti-Semitic campaign. She's Mm -hmm. a conspiracy theorist. She gave a big uh, lecture to the Black Caucus listing 10 10 reasons why why 9-11 wasn't terrorist, but it was all this plot by the FBI or what. I mean, literally, she was incredible. (laughs) But I just thought, you know, this whole thing is just – and now it's, uh, of course, much, much worse. Right. So, but here's the here's the point that I keep coming back to. So we can have our legitimate critiques of these way of thinking, but if this is what is in the movements right now, is there a way to? I, the there are only two options are to oust those people, which is not possible, or it's to you know create our own little movement in the corner, which I don't know if it's possible either. Or we can enfold the most positive aspects of the thing that they're talking about and show, no, we actually are completely open and encouraging of women leadership in this group, but we're not going to spend every meeting talking about critical gender theory. We're going to be doing, if we're a forest defense group, we're going to do forest defense and we are going to incorporate these elements versus saying, okay, so your feminism thing, that's not going to fly here. We're going to oppose any aspect of feminism and then we're just an enemy. But it's not your business if you're in the forest, in a, in a group dedicated forest. It's not your responsibility, okay? As an individual, you are liberal, you're civil, you believe in equality, you treat everyone the same, believe in equal rights and everything, okay? You're not a bad person, you're not the enemy, and that's, you live your life right. You're in a group that has a, a purpose, you know, to save forests, okay? That's what the group is about. You don't have to be on the defensive. I, I, you know, this is why I said, we, you were talking about how, how maybe we should reach out to these other groups and demonstrate to them that the climate change and the environmental movements really do, uh, you know, address their concerns. I don't believe we have to do that. I think it's the other way around. We don't have to prove that we're concerned about that. We, we live our lives properly, okay? Yeah. We're we're dealing with a particular issue, and and they need to understand our issue. And if they don't understand it, and they're not interested in joining us, 
Mm-hmm. Well, they can do, keep on doing what they want to do. They can keep on. This is a social justice movement. I'm not stopping them. Right. Who's going to stop them? That's their right but, but as a social is, justice movement. But, but don't that, come and tell us that our movement is, you know, sucks because it isn't taking all their concerns into in, in, into consideration. Don't come and tell dictate what our group should be about when it's when it's not about that. It's about sure. forests or it's about biodiversity. It's not about social justice. Sure. They're the ones that are trying to impose on us. And we don't, and it is not our responsibility to take the burden of convincing them. They have to, it's the other way around. And I don't think that's a solution. Okay, I think you said something about, you know, what what are our choices and so forth. We don't have to do anything. Okay, we just keep doing our thing, and we should not pay attention to to all the harassment and all the accusations about this, and that we don't care about race. You know, we just ignore those. We just do our thing. You do your thing. The problem is that is we are operating on the fringe, and we're not being effective, though. That's right. That's what I worry about. So that's, I can that's right. My, we my, need a new movement. Actually, we need a whole new. I've tried to, you know, I've tried right. over the years to do, try to do this and that and the other thing. But I, I think right now we're 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 helpless. Okay. So I think also because of the media and also because of what's happening in, in universities, uh, with the whole the whole you know cancel culture and so, so forth. So if we were to have so a new it, movement that does focus primarily on the environmental concerns and acknowledges that. A social justice component might be enfolded in it, but the bottom line is the environmental stuff. The question is how how to move that forward without basically dealing with all the attacks, which are pretty effective. So an example of just Planet of the Humans, which is I talk about that film a lot on the podcast, partially because I'm in it, but also because the information in it, but actually mostly the reason I talk about it is the reaction and the response it got from the mainstream environmental movement and the media. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, oh, I know. Yeah. So Planet of the Humans had literally, I don't know, a 30 second, 60 second mention of population, right? It didn't say it's that's the centerpiece of everything. It mostly talked about consumption, but population. I personally don't believe that's the root, but I think it's probably a root lit. It's part of the discussion. If you're an environmentalist and you can't even talk about the number of consumers on the planet, then I, then you're not having a serious conversation. Right, then you can't, right. But guess what? Michael Moore and Jeff Gibbs, the director, and Ozzy Zenner, the, the, uh, he was a director too, I, I believe, are involved with that as a producer. He, um, they were called racist. They were called eugenicists. They were to- called basically white supremacists in major media across the world and literally not given an opportunity. So keep this in mind. Michael Moore, the probably the most populist, one of the most popular leftists that, that have ever lived, was not given an opportunity to even respond to accusations of being racist. Now, at Michael Moore, maybe that's not going to affect his reputation as much as that. Somebody who is a little bit or anywhere lower down on the totem pole, that can entirely erase you. So that's what we're dealing with right now. So I don't. I know. I don't, I, no, I've been in touch with with the, with with those people. I mean, uh, I haven't uh, had a phone conversation yet, but I've exchanged a lot of emails because I def- I was defending them right. uh, to my list. So I, I've been I did a lot of you know de- defense for you know for them. And uh, so, so if, you know the, the, the thing about to... the, the thing about the film that bothered I think bothered a lot of the. Um, 
liberals, well, they they picked on the the popular the, the fact that they mentioned briefly that you know population is you know, and they picked on that to sort of exemplify, uh, but they never really came to grips. And and this is a problem we have now: the coming to grips with the fact that we have the, that the consumer society that we, that we're living in. Um, is is responsible for the collapse of the earth systems yes. and that we have to reduce consumption yes. and and the fact that that you have people now who think this the solution is renewable energy as opposed to making systemic changes drastic ones reducing this, this is the battle and and it steer, and it clearly indicates that we are that that we have not succeeded in persuading the majority of liberals not just the left the majority of liberals you know that it isn't just a matter of renewable energy, and that's and 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 asking and asking raising that issue was was anathema to everyone. Yeah. No well, one has really they... moved up to the plate on that issue. Well, that's why they went after them. I think for the other, if you can call somebody yes. racist, and then you invalidate exactly exactly, and and that's but that's very effective. Which is why I do think. I mean, which is why I broadcast the fact that I do care about issues of sexism and racism, and I have done plenty of work on those, and I want to continue to do so, but I don't want to make everything about that, and I don't want to jump into some sort of... You don't have to defend yourself. Don't don't let yourself be put on the defensive about that. You don't have to... First of all, you know, when when they they claim that if you assert that you're not a racist, that proves you are a racist. That stuff is Okay, you should not be on the defense of saying yes, I believe in but that's equality. That's not what I believe that I'm doing, though. I, I don't believe that I'm being on. Well, the no, what, what you just said, the way you expressed it to me, sounds like that you that you put yourself on a defensive by saying, "Oh, yes, I really agree with your aims I, and everything." But I, I, I'm not saying anything that I don't actually believe. So the thing is, okay. I, I want to make sure that I'm not being accused of things that are actually false. So if I have gone door to door for racial justice issues, as yeah. I have, I'm going to put that out there to head things off at the pass. And yeah, they, okay, I understand. Okay, and then uh, if but, they want to go ahead and call me racist, um, I personally, uh, I mean, there, there's no validity to it. So of course, there's no. It's pointless. It's it's pointless. That's a, that's. But, a, but I do the, think that if we come out as to against their thing, if they don't see us as an ally to any degree in their cause, they're always going to see us as an enemy. So we do have to acknowledge that. So that's why I do think it's important to once in a while, it's not a virtue signaling thing. It's just simply, hey, I care about that issue too. And this is how we're going to actually address it rather than just walking around in the street with a sign because that literally does nothing. So well, it is not clear what they're what they're asking us to support. I don't even. For know example, <laughs> they, no, it's not clear that it's one thing to say, you know, support equality or you know, and discrimination or all that kind of. That's that's not the issue here. The issue is that they're asking a lot of other things. They're they're basically asking to socially engineer our 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 whole system. For example, this is a big example. Uh, people carrying signs and slogans saying "White silence equals violence." Have you seen that? I've okay. heard of that slogan before. Oh no, it's it's real. I have a friend who lives up in Ithaca. He teaches at Cornell, and he and he was out in, driving in the country, and he saw a little demonstration or something at the side, and the, and there was that sign, and I've seen it other other places too. Um, so this is so the question is, what are we agreeing with them on? 
and a lot of things we're not agreeing with them. And and also the, the issue of of anyone who happens to deny or dissent from the from the generalization that we have a, a inherently white racist society and everyone is inherently racist. Mm-hmm. I categorically reject that. But if you do, people get really mad. Okay, if you don't agree with that, if you don't sign on to that, then you're a racist. Yeah. By denying this, you're a racist. It proves you're a racist. <laughs> it's really. So I think the worst thing to be that we can do is to be on the defensive. We make our arguments, but we're not going to defend ourselves against accusations. It is, yeah, obviously, if you're being accused of something you didn't do or say that's you want to, you know, want to get the truth out. That's that's a different story. But uh, on the defensive about the about what you know about all the you know the, the broader ideological thing. Um, you know, I don't think we should be, and they—they're the ones that should be coming to to the to the environmental they're not, movement. They're not coming. To I know they're not. I know. That, I know they're not. I know. <laughs> so I if know. we were to start a new movement, which here's the thing: like if I if I were to start an organization these days, which I actually have for other things that are not environmental things. So I have. I'm a part of a writers group thing. So I don't have a, a, a something in our mission statement that says we do not discriminate against black people. <laughs> Right. Because to yes. me, that's pretty obvious, you know, and I, we don't have anything that says no murdering in our group, you know, like there's certain <laughs> things that are just pretty obvious to me. Um, at the same time, I have I have made efforts to try to get so we've done public we've published some works, I have had to make extra efforts to get women because there are less women who are submitting to get at least I didn't try to get a 50-50 but I wanted to make sure that women were represented in the book that we put out and I think that's a reasonable thing I don't need to declare in our thing that we are a blah 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 right 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 exactly exactly you know I mean all these corporations issuing all these mea culpas and all everything that they stand for and everything all they should have said was well, we've been we've been practicing all this stuff all along. We've always had a, a non-discriminatory practice, you know, and that's it. You don't have to say anything more than that. Well, so what we, you're saying maybe is we need to be focusing on the folks who are basically biocentric folks. So who oh, of course. Focusing? Well, of course. Well, there are already there's a number. There are blogs and people and so sure. forth in this country and all around the world and so forth. How do you know? The thing is, what kind of movement? What would be the purpose of a movement? Would it be an electoral movement? Would it just be an educational one? Would it be some kind of pressure group? What would you know? What 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 would it be? Just a philosophical group? You have many. You know, I mean, there are many people, but obviously um, minorities. And I don't. I mean, in the numbers there, we're in the minority yes. and people are talking about this. I mean, there are many blogs and people, you know, and I've been in w- with some of them. I've read them. I've been I participated and so forth. Question is, what what should we do with this? How how can we advance, bring these people together? How can we advance the the, you know, biospheric point of view, I guess you'd call it. How do yeah. we do that? And that's I, the, I don't that's know. I, I, it's very upsetting to me when I, I, I had a terrible argument with my close friend who teaches at Cornell about the COVID virus because mm-hmm. he's been influenced by this incredible right wing propaganda saying, oh, it's not so serious. And all these lockdowns destroying the economy and it's going to destroy. So and, and he was like panicking. We were on the phone and I, I was said, no, get, get, you know, take <laughs> cool down, chill out. And uh, you've been you know, this is and I, I, I couldn't I, I couldn't get him to calm down or to, or to listen to what I was saying. Sure. And then I realized, God, if this academic, uh, you know, a professor 
and you know, and very accomplished and author and everything, really bright guys believing all this stuff. What hope is there? <laughs> well, that's the yeah. I mean, the thing with the pandemic, I've been very upset about that stuff too because there are certain issues like, well, I'd like you to believe this over the long term. They're affecting us, but right now we're in the midst of a pandemic, and when we have all this misinformation about, oh, it's not even real. That's a very damaging thing that's happening right now. And uh, you know, maybe with environmental stuff, even though I would argue that's that's worse over the long term, we can be like, well, you believe this, and it doesn't matter. It does matter if people don't believe in germ theory because that affects. That's right, or or or, or natural selection. Right. I mean, this you know the whole thing with herd immunity is completely distorted. Yeah. I mean, you have you have this thing called the Great Barrington Resol- yep. uh, Declaration right, right. or something. Yep. And they and they use the term herd immunity, which has nothing to do with what they're proposing. What they're proposing is natural selection. Just let the virus go run free, well, and whoever yes. survives, survives, right? We've basically been doing that anyway, so they already We've won. been doing it. That's right. Yeah. So um, – but, <laughs> but, but a lot of people but, have been but, fooled. A lot of people are, are falling back, for this. And, and I – yeah, believe me. I think about COVID like pretty much all the time. But but to bring it back to the other – you Do minute, Do you really? Yeah, like way, way too much. In what uh, respect? In what respect? uh, I don't even, I'll need a whole different podcast for that, to be honest. So maybe we'll save that to another time. But no, that is, it's a, it's a major crisis that we need to be doing a better job of. And it is tying. Oh, yeah. In that respect, of course. No, I understand. I'm just saying the ideologies, you know, the, the problem that we're dealing with that's common in COVID and common with what we've been talking about is people adhering to these ideologies that are based a little bit in reality like there's always a little bit of truth in a lie yeah you know there's always you know there's a lot of nonsense but so maybe what it is we can't probably do with this with covid but with the environmental thing it's like let's not worry about folks who would never be on our team right so we we start up something and of course if i were a part of a group that all of a sudden somebody was like hey you know what um let's not let that black guy in we would oust him from our ranks without even a second thought. And we don't need to have a declaration of anti-racism to kick out somebody who is being deliberately and clearly and obviously basing people's uh, worth on their skin color. So I don't have a problem with doing with doing that. And I don't frankly know any biocentrist person. I've never spoken to a biocentrist environmentalist. And I know a lot of them around the country who, who is racist, who says that we should treat people worse because of their skin color or, or their sex or anything. No, else. of course not. Of so, course not. This, so is, this whole thing has been just inflated up, you know, to, right. I mean, huge proportions. And, and uh, in, in a way, it's kind of reverse racism. I mean, to accuse, say, all whites are innately racist and have to be re-educated. I mean, that's what Stalin was doing. And <laughs> it's just to change people, you know, change, brainwash them, essentially. Right. And so that's what they're doing. My point is that is that like, OK, therefore, we're going to start this environmental movement and we'll, we'll let in all these these racist people. No, of course, we're not going to do that. But we're going to we're going to talk with people who have who are not blinded by their ideology. And we don't have to have everyone on board, but we do have to have a, maybe it's a coalition of folks who are starting to move in in a similar direction so we can counteract a lot of the other negative narrative. And frankly, I'm, we all know that the environmental movement has been selling us out long before the social justice component was there. Long before, right. I don't even think that's the root. That's just the latest element. And I think we can maybe look at it. I mean, this is almost to answer my own question from before. How do we get 
certain folks to come on board. The reality is certain folks would never be coming on board anyway, because like you say, that, that's right. Really no, that, you're absolutely right. And, yeah. uh, and the issue, and, and we don't need a loyalty oath. I mean, if we're getting right. people to support, our, right. let's say we have a particular platform or agenda, right. I don't care what, what those people think privately. I don't think, if, you know, they can be racist in their home and everything. And, you know, as long as they're not going to, they join our group, they support our, you know, fine, let them sign on. I don't, you know, the an idea that we have to have this, um, what do you call it? Well, the loyalty oath and that people have to prove that they're virtuous enough in, in, in all respects. In other words, the what they call the intersectionality. You have to prove that you support all of those. No, we don't have to do that. I mean, it's hard to, to even that. say. I mean, I would rather if there was somebody who was, who had antipathy towards other races, I'd rather they not join. But obviously, I, I wouldn't know. Well, that. we don't know how they feel. It and doesn't matter. Anyway. We don't ask them. We don't ask them. We're not interested in what they think about well, other races or other sexes. It's not relevant. We don't ask them. Well, it's very we don't difficult because them. right now, if you say, "Are you anti-racist?" you have to sign on to the all these other things, and that, that doesn't. Well, that's right. Well, yeah. Well, that, that's right. But that's yeah. not what we should be I, doing. It looks we, about people's conduct and people what well, the things that people are stating and if they're, right. if they're not, that's that's what i right. people on rather than some yeah. vow that they took because we do know that for instance a lot of the folks who were very preachy about the me too movement actually had a lot of skeletons in their closet so just saying something doesn't mean i want to see people's behavior so that's what's interesting to me but yeah the the biocentric component I don't know. I think there's an opportunity for people who are working on these issues who who are not maybe stuck into some sort of ideological ideological box. We can maybe unite a bit and move forward some of these issues. But yeah, we're going to be assailed by those who we're not operating in lockstep with and. I guess we have to accept that that's the case. I would like to win some of those folks over. I mean, that's why I'm saying, that's why I do think it is important to be like, listen, I'm not dismissing sexism. I am not dismissing racism. I think those are well, important issues, but there are look, other- Look, I've seen this since I started. How many years now? Let's see. Well, I'm in, not active now, but I started uh, you know, in the late 60s. Yeah. So I'm talking about, so it's been 50 years that I've seen you know exactly those that 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 issue coming up, and uh, and 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 we're always put on the defensive. Why are we put on the defensive? The environmentalists. <laughs> Why has no one put put them on the defensive for not be educating themselves about what's going on? In, you know, with climate change and and the environment. Okay, no one's asking that. I did. I've con- I've constantly you know. You know, just throwing it back at them and saying, "No, wait a minute! I don't have to prove to you that I that I'm not that I'm concerned about poverty or racism. You have to prove to me that you understand what's going on with the environment." You know, so I I categorically reject being put on the defensive about anything about anything. Well, I, uh, my 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 philosophy is this is this is what I and these these other people we've agreed on all of this. You want to sign on? You sign on. You you, you have a problem with it? Don't sign. Well, I just That's yeah, all. I think it's going to be it will it will weed people out, and I basically do think it's a way of looking at consciousness though. So you can look at things from a very selfish, egocentric point of view, right? So you can be like, this is all about me. And sometimes that is what identity politics is, right? At the heart, it's like, what can benefit? I think that's all, I think that's all it's about. Well, but I, I would say that, 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 that 
but there's more to it, right? Because then there's like your focus on the group. So like this group matters. Maybe it's your ideological group. Maybe it's your your gender. Well, that's the tribal. That's the tribal thing I was talking about. Right. The, the tribal identification. Than, your tribe. You've got to protect your tribe and and you know and and every and its resources and and its, right. and its uh, you know. But That's then, exactly what larger, it's about. then there is a larger encompassing aspect, which is I'm actually going to advocate for people outside of my group. So I do believe that that's what the civil rights movement was. It was not just about selfishness or about my group. It's about everyone needs to be equally represented. Everyone needs to have equal opportunity. So I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. But then I think there's a bigger sphere of encompassment, and that is the natural world, the resource base that keeps all of this alive. So I think what happens is we see a lot of folks that they only go so far. And, and frankly, a lot of the people who are saying it's about the everyone, it, they're mostly talking about themselves or the group, but not all of them. But what few of these folks are doing and what those of us who actually care about all of those issues do, are doing is we're taking that larger, that that foundational aspect of the living planet as encompassing all of it. So I see it as a more holistic view. And basically, I guess if people aren't seeing the world through that holistic view, they never, well, maybe they will in the future, but no, they won't. They won't. So Listen, that's to exactly. ferret out those who actually do have that holistic view. They care about themselves. You should support yourself. Obviously, you should care about the group that you're a part of. You should care about the groups that you're not a part of, and you should care about the whole natural world. That's how I look at well, it. Well, this is this is what I tried to do in the Green Party. Yeah. And uh, and I had a bunch of people in the party, and we we had and we you know made a proposal, and we said that. Aside from the 10 key values and the laundry list of all the things you agree with, what we have to have first is a core philosophy and a, and a statement of, the, of, of ecology you know, underlying everything we do. We need that core philosophy and so forth and was never adopted. And I began, and then I, of course, I ended up, and I realized, took took me years. I wasted so much of my life on the Green Party, wow. realizing that most most of those people didn't give a shit about the environment. You advanced. People I'm sure see. you advanced a lot of things, and and I'm not going to speak for you, but I guarantee you, you did not waste your life working on those issues because you moved things forward. You push. You carried the torch, and and you made those ripples that allow more people to actually see things beyond just the Well, way. I don't know. I have no way, way of judging that, of, measure, yeah. of measuring it. I do that, know that it certainly that, helped me in terms of my, of, my, of my analysis and my understanding of politics. That's where it certainly well, the helped me. The fact that I, as a younger person, younger than you at least, um, is catching on to these ideas, you were the torchbearer for that. So I wouldn't dismiss yourself. Yeah, well, uh, something, but, yeah. But anyway, I mean, yes. It, it is kind of it is kind of depressing, but to, you know to sit here and realize it's been fifty years and that Earth Day nineteen seventy we had we had a great decade of the seventies where we had tremendous progress and legislation and organizing and really tremendous changes in just one decade with so many environmental groups and and now we're back at square one. Well, even, I, I, think, you know, I think we have an opportunity. I think we do have an unprecedented opportunity in the coming years because because I think of COVID and as terrible as it's been, and I mean, oh, I wish it hadn't happened and I, I hope it resolves itself, however that will happen. But I think for the first time in a long time, people are like, well, maybe 
things as they are aren't okay. And we do have an attempt to, we do have an opportunity to create some sort of fundamental sea change is my optimism. And I, I'm mostly pessimistic, but I well, have optimism. Yeah. Well, now, I don't know. It's now uh, or never, uh, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's an interesting thing when I, I, I always ask, I ask myself about why is this country, you know, so having all these problems, why is it so behind culturally and intellectually behind Europe and so forth? Mm. And I said to myself, Europe, um, they were bombed. We weren't bombed. Right. Europe was destroyed. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever read or talked to people about the aftermath, what the, what Europe was like after the war ended. Okay. The day, it was the whole, everything was wrecked. There was nothing. People were wandering, the disease, crime, rape, looting, um, millions of people wandering around. Their families are destroyed. They didn't have a place to live wandering around. It's an, it was inc incredible. I mean, I, there's a whole book about this. When I read it, I, people have no idea what, what Europe was like, how they suffered after the war. Right. We were never bombed. They learned their lesson. Okay, they were distorted and they learned their lesson mm -hmm. about, you know, how to get along. And they basically, you know, developed social democracies mm -hmm. uh, where people were protected or welfare state and people weren't you know, homeless and, you know, and, and so forth and so on. We, didn't, we were never bombed. We didn't suffer. Maybe the virus, maybe COVID-19 is the mm -hmm. virus, the bombing that we need. Okay. That maybe because I see it, you see people. We sure you have the ones that are out riding in the streets because you know in the, because they don't hate the government and everything. But you also have a lot of people all of a sudden being very generous, very compassionate, people helping other people. I think that's a that's a very strong possibility that the people will come out of this with a lot more compassion for others, and that could then be expressed itself in other ways of you know decent health care, for example. You know. And other things. I think that's a, very, a strong possibility, but it's not imminent, unfortunately. No, it's not imminent. Nothing is imminent. It's going to be up yeah. to some of us maybe to nudge it in a certain direction. Yeah. I, think there, I think there's opportunity. And uh, yeah, I think all these issues that we talked about getting to the root of, okay, what do we do about this? And yeah, I guess it's acknowledging these pieces, realizing who would be likely allies. We don't have to have everyone on board at first. All we have to do is move things, start something and move it in a particular direction. I'm going to be talking we, about that. In the we, well, we have, I don't think we even have to look for allies. We have to, we have to make our, you know, announce ourselves and make our philosophy and our values clear, just like the early Christians did. Okay. <laughs> they were persecuted. Um, you, you have something you stand for. And then if people come and, 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 and they want to join, they join. And but you don't you also you don't adjust or amend your principles because you just want to get lots of people to sign on. That yeah. idea of of getting the um, you know the, these big coalitions of of people signing on, in which case uh, that's just dumb. You have to have a core set of principles and you stick to them no matter what. And if people want to join, they join. They agree with you, and then you you know I worked for an organization which actually functioned that way. Friends of the Earth was an amazing organization. I mean, it first was Dave Brower, who was this yes. inspiration to all of us. Yes. But it was a very decentralized organization. No one was telling the, the local branches or the field representatives, like which I was, um, what to do. They weren't telling, saying, "Okay, this is what you have to say. This is what you have to support." No, we could do. I, we could do anything we wanted. 
because we were completely free. Because and the reason it worked was because everyone agreed with everyone else. There wasn't. We all agreed about the issues. There were there were no until the organization was destroyed by the people in Washington who who, who were who you know sort of forgot about the grassroots. Oh, but yeah. up to that point, everything was functioning fine, and there were n- were none of the no um you know uh, conflicts of. In, in terms of ideology or in terms of the platform or right. positions. It was ama- it really worked very well. well and then it, then it was destroyed when Brower was kicked out. Yep. And then I call them the managerial elite took over because they were they were based in Washington and they wanted to keep their influence with Congress and the president. And they were, you know, on the funders. And, and so they forgot about, you know, anyway, it's a long story. We, you talk, can read about all, it my we talk about that on the Greenwood podcast all the time. That's why it's really valuable to have the perspective of folks who have been around yeah. for, for a while in these movements to see these trends and how they're basically been going on for a long time. And I saw another wave of it, and then there's another wave of it. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's all we can do. And those who are listening to this, if any of this resonates with you, you know, you don't have to agree 100% with everything to be able to find people as allies. Definitely uh, contact us, get in touch with us. We're starting something up where we are starting to talk to more and more people and we're considering some sort of alliance. We'll, we'll see what that turns into. But Lauren, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. With that oh, well, thank really... you for listening. <laughs> no, this, this is crucial stuff. This is stuff that's on my mind a lot. And Sometimes it's difficult to know how to communicate to the world. So that's why it was really important to have you come on. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And tell them about your book. Where can they find that? Okay. Well, you go, just go Google uh, the name of the book. Or it's got my name. The name of the book is Politics as if Evolution Mattered. And it's for sale online from many, it's it's a paperback. It's very short. It's very short, but mainly it's a, it's a, um, the analysis of the connection of evolution to to human society and and to politics um and uh and and if people understood more about evolution i think there'd be a lot less conflict in the world <laughs> i think you're right but about it's, that. Uh, it's, you go to your website too lornasalzman.com and i'll have the link in the description as well great great thank you so much i appreciate that absolutely well thanks again for coming on okay okay take care